Nothing public at Colts Camp today, day three. There was a lot of work being done, walkthrough, film study, classroom stuff, but no stuff for us to do out there as far as watching football. Now, tomorrow night's going to be different. Colts at 7 o'clock out of Grand Park. Their first practice in pads. You're going to be able to see it. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but in advance of that, today was really interesting to me because we got an opportunity. There were about eight of us in the media. Got to spend some time with Stephon Gilmore, Paris Campbell, Marcus Brady, Gus Bradley, Morocco Brown, Ed Dodds, the last two members of the front office who really don't talk to the media like ever. So it was really a cool day and a, a nice day to get a lot of different perspectives on what's going on. And what we've learned is this. Stefan Gilmore, well, you know what? We'll talk about it in a second right after I introduce what this is. It's Inside Indiana Sports Now with Kent Sterling for Friday, July 29th, 2022. We're brought to you by the great people at Johnson's Plumbing. Are you kidding me? Jared Johnson is the best. Call him. You got a plumbing problem? Wow! Plumbing solution. 765-610-8809 is the number. Smash that subscribe button. We have had a spate of subscribers the last two days. Phenomenal. A lot of likes. Hit the like button. Ring the bell so you get alerts every time we go live. And if you want to donate, donate. I don't argue with donations. We don't argue with that. It takes money. It takes resources to bring these updates to you twice a day. Every single day. 260 days a year we do this. No holidays, so really it's about 250 days a year. But still, unbelievable. All right, let's talk about the Colts and talk about what we learned today. Stephon Gilmore... The Defensive Player of the Year in 2019, when he's healthy, as good a cornerback as there is in the NFL. What's he doing to try to help Alec Pierce become a more productive rookie-wide receiver? He's jamming, jamming him at the line of scrimmage, trying to keep him from getting into his route, doing everything he can to keep him from getting into his route, just as other cornerbacks do. So in talking to Stephon Gilmore, he's like, yeah, this is what we do. This is the NFL. This is how you get better. Iron sharpens iron. I know. It sounds like Chuck Pagano, and I thought we were over that, but evidently not. Talking to Morocco Brown, Morocco Brown is like, look, Alec Pierce is a guy who played at Cincinnati. Maybe he's going to play against one guy all year long who is capable of not being overmatched in an NFL training camp, much less an NFL active roster, much, much less a starting cornerback in the NFL. You just don't see that quality of cornerback when you play at Cincinnati. So it takes a while to develop the skill set and the physicality to be able to break the line of scrimmage against press coverage. So we're going to continue to see that from Alec Pierce, and one day the switch is going to flip, and all of a sudden off he goes. But in the meantime, there are going to be some growing pains. What else did we hear? We heard from Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, healthy, happy, smiling. It's wonderful to see Paris Campbell smile. And, you know, talking to Dan Dockett yesterday on his radio show, I think he said this on the show, but it might have been during a break, said that Urban Meyer told him that Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell, absolutely awesome leaders at Ohio State when they were all there. We haven't gotten a chance to experience that with Paris Campbell. 
because Paris Campbell's been hurt. He's averaged five games played a year in his three seasons. This is year number four, and it's nut-cutting time for Paris Campbell, and he knows it. So he's spent a lot of time with Matt Ryan this offseason getting on the same page and working some rhythm. So they, they got that together. And, and Matt Ryan telling him things uh, about the intricacies of playing receiver and Paris Campbell telling Matt Ryan things like where he likes the ball. So these guys are getting on the same page and a lot of whether the Colts are going to be able to be functional as an offense is going to depend upon Paris Campbell and his rhythm with Matt Ryan, Alec Pierce's ability to get past the initial, you know, kind of jams from cornerbacks, and Michael Pittman's ability to be to take another step up. Last year, big step up, right? 80-plus catches, 1,082 yards, six touchdowns, a nice year. Ranked just inside the top 20 among NFL wide receivers. He's got to take another step forward. That isn't going to be easy for him because he does not have elite speed. Can he become an elite receiver in the NFL? We're going to find out, but here's what could happen, and here is what I think is likely. I, I was in the media room today, and some guys in the media were talking about how they thought that uh, Pittman, 1,200, 1,300 yards this year. I don't think so. When when we talked to Chris Ballard earlier this week, Chris Ballard said, you know what, Frank, when he was at Philadelphia, I he said, I don't think they had a single receiver with more than 800 receiving yards. That's the way it worked with Philip Rivers, right? Philip Rivers, when he was here, the sugar got spread. He was throwing it all over the place. They had nine, ten receivers sometimes who touched the football. I think it's going to be a lot of that. I don't think that Michael Pittman Jr. is going to have 12 targets in a game. I, I just don't see that happening. I think it's going to go to Hines a lot. I think you're going to see the tight ends. Four of these guys all can play. We'll see who gets the lion's share of the targets, whether it's Ali Cox, whether it's Granson, whether it's Woods, whether it's Ogletree. I don't know, and I don't care. As long as these guys in the aggregate fuse together to become one Kyle Pitts. You know what I mean? We don't need one guy getting 90 catches for 1,200 yards. We need four guys combining to get 90 catches and, and uh, 1,200 yards. That works for me. Naheem Hines is a guy who isn't going to be you know, just standing over there in the flat waiting for a quarterback to look his way and get him the football like happened last year with the other guy. I'm telling you, I know people get kind of worn out. The, the crapping on Carson Wentz at some point is going to come to an end, but not today. Because everybody, every single person that we talk to, everyone, whether it's Morocco Brown, Ed Dodds, uh, the guy of uh, the guys who were here last year, right? Marcus Bailey, all these guys, the offensive guys, Naheem Hines, all of them. They all say what a pleasure it is to play with a guy like Matt Ryan, who is there every day, pushing them every day, being the first one in, the last one out, all these things. And you know what they're saying. You know that they're saying that this is this is a wonderful difference in quarterback behavior this year as juxtaposed to last year as compared to last year what's going on now has a chance 
in the short term, I think you can wear guys out by constantly, and, and Matt Ryan used this term, putting a foot in guys' ass, right? You can do that too much. You can get over on people and, and, and wear people out and have them say, my God, does this guy ever stop? He is relentless. But in a short window, in a two- to three-year window, which is kind of what the Colts have got with Matt Ryan, you can get a lot of really, really good stuff done by holding people accountable for detail orientation. And that's what's going on with this football team. And I think it's got a real chance to be a great thing. If Gilmore can be even 80% of what he was in 2019, right? And if, if Blackman and Cross can stay healthy at safety, even if they can't, Rodney McLeod is a good backup, right? If not a starter, I think Nick Cross is going to be the starter. I asked uh, uh, Gus Bradley about him. And, and Gus Bradley, big giant grin, said, Nick Cross, he didn't look like a, a rookie the second play uh, of practice yesterday, did he? And that was the play where he picked... Matt Ryan. He didn't. He is fast. He is quick to the football. He responds well. He's reflective or reflexive. He may be reflective too. How do I? Hmm. I wonder how I should play safety tomorrow. Nick Cross reflects. I believe I'll play it quickly and, and with great strength and reflexively. That's probably what he says. Nick Cross, I think, has a, has a chance. It's a 96 overall pick. I think he's got a chance to be really good. And and a guy, as you look back in this draft and you look at profootballreference.com, and you say, oh, okay, who's got the average value deep in the draft that was a surprise? I think Nick Cross could be that guy if he can stay healthy. There's no reason to think that he can't stay healthy. There's no injury-prone thing. But his first year as a box safety, these guys run with a little bit more momentum, right? Derrick Henry is fast and huge. And if Nick Cross throws his shoulder into Derrick Henry the way he did against Indiana University running backs last year, hey, you know what? That's going to be a tough hit. That's what I mean. you, you got to pick your battles on the NFL field, and some guys do and some guys don't. I, I loved what Gus Bradley had to say today about his defense and about Yannick Ngakwe's energy, what, what he had to say about the defensive backs and how they're learning. This is going to be a, and what he, people always think, and he said this, people always think of Gus Bradley in terms of the, of the Legion of Boom, and rightly so, because that's where he made his money, right? That's where he made his bones, is in being the defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boom up in Seattle. Well, you know what? He said that he has evolved, and he has learned, and he's continuing to learn, and I really think that it's assistant coaches like Cato June, Mike Mitchell, these guys are going to be able to say things that vibe with the players at a really base level. And, uh, Reggie Wayne on the offensive side, too, with the receivers. I think it's going to be really good. I think this is an interesting and functional staff. And I like the way that Ed Dodds and Morocco Brown were talking about learning and how they deconstruct every year, in fact, after every event. They're like, okay, how can we do this better? How can we do the Senior Bowl better? How can we evaluate draft picks better? Post-draft, how can we sign undrafted free agents better? During camp, how can we bolster the back end of the roster better? 
they're always thinking about that and that is that's kind of a hallmark of really strong and humble management is that you're willing to deconstruct all your dogma and build it back up dogma ain't physics right gravity that's physics it's an immutable law dogma is a belief system and if you don't adjust your dogma you are doomed to repeat the mistakes that those dogma caused Colts, they are a, uh, they live in humble service to the horseshoe. That sounds ridiculous. And, and I'm almost ashamed it came out of my mouth. But that's what I believe they believe that they do. And, and I don't want to, you know, they're 42 and 42 under Chris Ballard. It's not like they're the 98, 99, and 2000 Yankees. They're just ripping through, you know, the playoffs and partying uh, throughout all of February as they celebrate another world championship. They've won one playoff game under Chris Ballard and Frank Wright. We got to know that. And every once in a while, I need to remind myself of that and tap the brakes. Every once in a while, by spending all day out at Grand Park or in the Colts facility or wherever, you become kind of a, a part of that chaos and that madness. And, and you become a little bit too positive. So I, I got to watch myself there in becoming too positive because this kind of feels good and it looks good and we haven't seen them play anybody yet. And it's entirely possible they get to September 11th and they get their ass kicked by the lowly Houston Texans. They haven't won a season opener since 2013. Got to remember that. You lose that game and you go to Jacksonville and lose and then you've got Casey and Tennessee coming up in weeks three and four. You have a problem. So getting out over our skis, we got to watch out for that. What else happened today? I have some notes as I uh, always do. Either these guys are coached at an exceptionally high level as to how to talk to the media, or they believe what they're saying. Sometimes, and you can tell. I can tell with the Pacers when they're full of it. I can tell with some of the Colts when they're full of it, like Frank Wright. I can tell when he's full of it because my attention wanders. If you don't tell me the truth, I can't pay attention to you. And Frank Reich every once in a while says things like he said about the receiver group yesterday where he's like, oh, I love this group. It was utter nonsense. He is worried about this group, I guarantee you. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Don't be too positive, too optimistic. It's a Friday, I know. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. 90 minutes, which means 80 minutes. Be on time, baby. Don't get there at 720 and think you're going to see an hour of practice. Because if you see an hour, you're going to be lucky. Matt Ryan is going to get them to work on time and move them through all the stuff they got to do quickly. Scheduled for an hour and a half, it's going to be less than that. Um, Campbell, healthy. Gilmore, work. And Pierce, got to get better. Morocco Brown... Uh, you know what? Takes him a while to build that skill set. Gus Bradley, Nick Cross, Julian Blackman. But I'll tell you this. Michael Pittman Jr. is not DK Metcalf. And those who think, uh, do I think the Colts would be a much better team in Super Bowl bound if they went for Debo or another top wide receiver? That's not what they do. Look, and this is, this is why they pay Chris Ballard the big bucks. Because what trading for and then signing Debo Samuel would do is put them off schedule everywhere else. 
they have a schedule. They have a protocol for paying guys, whether it's Kenny Moore, Quentin Nelson, Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor. They know who they're going to pay, how much, and when. And if you go out and get a guy like Debo Samuels, you are going to upset that apple cart to the point where maybe you lose a key foundational piece moving forward, and that's not what Chris Ballard is going to do. You can argue whether it's wise, but that's not what he's going to do. The Rams, they went off schedule, completely off schedule, right? If they could get Debo Samuels for something and not sign him to a big, giant-ass extension, I'd say do it. But given that they would have to give up a lot and pay Samuels a lot, I don't think that that's worthwhile. Mm, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I believe it. We'll talk to you probably tomorrow. I know. We don't do Saturdays. But I'm telling you, uh, Colts go work tomorrow. We might work tomorrow, too.